Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. But then they know that at the end of the day, we were honest with each other. We let everything out on table, and we're still together. What that teaches my daughters is you can fight and have arguments and disagreements, and it isn't the end of the of the um, isn't the end of the relationship. The relationships will have arguments and fights, and in most cases, people believe that once you have the fight, it's over. How do you know that? You young people go, we never fight. Oh, you're finished. You have no chance of success because somebody's lying. Mm-hmm. If you never argue, someone's lying. Right. Right. Somebody's lying. I'm not saying I have to draw down fight like I do. My, my, my wife and I are very hard-headed, right? So we, we, we argue a lot because we're hard-headed. Because I'm always right. No, I'm always right. We do that, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. But we still love each other, respect each other, so we still stay together. So that's an issue. So you, if you think about that way with your children and yourself, honesty in front of your children, honesty in front of your spouse, as you hear me say in politics, I say, I can have you unhappy with me. I can have you angry at me. I can't have you not trust me. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> All right, everybody. Returning to the show, one of my favorite people on the face of the planet, Mr. Larry Sharp himself. Larry, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good, my friend. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah. Well, um, there's a lot going on recently and I know you're in the, uh, shit of it up in New York and it seems like yep. you're, uh, you know, kind of spinning your wheels, but, um, I wanted to invite you or, on. Or today. I'd say getting my ass kicked either one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's more on you than it is me. Um, unfortunately, um, for the, uh, I saw your thread on Mark Victor and I'm quite torn on this because, For me, it seems like the Libertarian Party isn't quite big enough to win elections, so we should try to have change and leverage wherever we can. But that being said, um, if we're going to do that, we're going to use this leverage, and it should be for our advantage. Um, When it came to this Mark Victor race, and I don't know how much you looked into Blake Masters, um, the main point where everybody's pissed off about is that his foreign policy is abysmal, where um, he's a China hawk, he says Israel's our greatest ally, which we know- I don't care about any of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't care about that. And let me be very okay. forward. Yeah. I don't care about any of that. Right. Oh. Uh, I don't know Blake Masters and he might be great. Mm-hmm. Let me give you two pieces. The, the, the line that I think was crossed and then in general, prior to the line being crossed, sure. the line being crossed is you ran as a libertarian candidate and used either our, uh, our name or our image in an attempt to grow, which is fine. I don't mind that at all. 
Lots of people do that. That's all good. But then at the end of that, once you took our, our energy, um, our emotion, you got press on our behalf, you then gave that to the enemy. That is the crossover. If Victor believed, you know what? I can't win. I can't make impact. Um, I think this Masters guy's a good guy. Then the answer was simply drop out. I don't mind that. If that's what the local people think is the right answer, just drop out. Just go, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Around the money, around the time. I don't feel like it's worth it. I don't want to, I don't want to punish my supporters anymore. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Uh, I don't think it's worth it. I'm gonna drop out. And you just drop out. And done. And you know what? No one would have heard about it. I wouldn't have cared. Nobody would have cared because that doesn't hurt me. If he made an error locally, then I would hurt people locally and they can deal with that locally if they think it's the right answer. I don't know, whatever. But once you stop and you endorse someone else, when you cross that line of the endorsement, mm -hmm. that's the line that you may not cross in my view. Now you've hurt every libertarian running mm -hmm. because now I got it. So everybody else running. Shane Hazel got it, right? Ricky Harrington got it. We all got the same thing. We all got, well, why don't you copy him and drop out? See, Libertarian Party's worthless. See, so how am I now supposed to raise money? You just cut my fundraising. How am I supposed to be able to get press? The press goes, you're going to drop out anyway. See, mm -hmm. how am I supposed to get Republicans on my side? I'm trying to get Democrats and Republicans on my side. I can't get Republicans now. Well, if you just drop out, I'd vote. I'd vote for you if you are Republican, but you're not. Drop out. It hurts every other Libertarian running once you cross the line of endorsement. Now, you might say, well, Larry, could he have endorsed him before? Now, let me go to the before part. Let's say Victor believed that Masters was the right guy. Okay, great. Just don't run and vote for Masters. I don't know. I don't know if that's right for your world. But let's say you want to actually go out of your way and endorse him. Here is my view on that. If you believe that the gentleman or the woman is an, another Ron Paul-like figure, if you think they're that powerful, that they're a Ron Paul-like figure, I could understand you deciding to endorse them. I could, if you believe that. If you just think, well, he's better than the other guy, that's every election. It's every election. Right. So no, I don't believe you should be endorsing a Republican or Democrat because they're better than the other Republican or Democrat. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that. Now, if you want to vote for them, ah, go ahead. No worries, right? But if you think they may be a longer-term solution, meaning they may stay around or they may be in the party, and I, I shouldn't say Ron Paul like because that's a lot to ask for, a, a long-term solution, right? Mm -hmm. If you think the person is a long-term solution, they will either come back to the party, be around the party, support the party. You think there will be a long-term solution, even like a Thomas Massey or someone who's a long-term solution. Mm -hmm. Then I could understand you endorse that. I could get that. If you just think they're better than the other guy, please don't do that. It doesn't help us. It's a short-term solution that just makes everything harder for us to push our, our party forward. So two separate parts. If it's a short-term solution, please don't endorse. If you want to vote for them, please go ahead. Vote for who you want. If you think it's best for your area, I don't know that. If, you're, if they're not a long-term solution, endorsing is a terrible idea. It only hurts us. If you are running as a libertarian and you then realize after running that you want the other guy or gal to win, Please just drop out and then vote for that person. Mm -hmm. Please don't do that level of endorsement because that's what gets press. That's what hurts us. Libertarians drop out all the time. Third parties drop out literally every other month. Some third party candidates dropping out. That's to get the news. We'll get to the news when you cross endorse and validate a preconceived narrative they've already created about us that we fight every single year we run. I hope that was clear. No, no, I, I think it was. Um, 
part of this, I feel like, goes to what the express strategy of the newer leadership of the Libertarian Party is, is that the goal is greater liberty. And I see arguments on both sides. And I'm curious about your th- um, you know, continued thoughts on this. Um, it, it seems like to me that they felt he was the greater path to liberty. And while what I was saying earlier, I I'm torn on this because his foreign policy is abysmal. And as libertarians, our number one issue normally is foreign policy. Um, and they say the other person is literally a Hillary Clinton Democrat, which is, as we know, about the worst of the worst. Um, I could understand Mark Victor's position if we would have got major concessions our way, but it literally seems like nobody pushed him over towards our direction. They just kind of patted themselves on the back because he had a conversation with a couple people who call themselves libertarians and then dropped out rather than saying, hey, if I'm going to drop out and endorse you, then you have to pick up these pieces of my platform or you have to put me somewhere in your cabinet. I have to be you. This has to be of benefit to us. It doesn't seem like that was the case. If that was the case, Agreed. I would be a little bit more understanding. Okay, so go ahead. I, I think you're totally right. You know, I had the same – you didn't have the same issue in New York? I was polling at 6% last year before I even announced. Yeah. For a third party, for a libertarian in New York State, that's unheard of. That's not a thing. That's like magical. So, of course, Republicans came to me. Of course, they, we, I had to sit down in a diner here in Queens. Of course I did. But that was like February or March. I forgot what it was. Yeah. <clears throat> months ago. So one of the first things I asked is, and for your audience to understand, in New York State, we are very specific when it comes to ballot access. Mm -hmm. We have to get 130,000 votes or 2%, whichever is more, only on the governor's line this year. Nothing else matters according to election law. Literally, we could win the Senate. It does not matter. In New York State, it's that specific. And that's a critical thing for me because they took my ballot access two years ago with a, a budget item. They ripped it away from me. So I want it back. There's one reason why I'm still running and been punishing myself to run here because I want to get that back because that means we can run local candidates across New York State and we'll have an actual 50, chance of 50 states of ballot access for a presidential candidate in 2024, which is why I want to do this. So one of the first things I asked the Republican candidate was, can you guarantee me 130,000 votes on the Libertarian line if I, if I decide to give you this line? He had no answer. Mm-hmm. No answer, not good enough. I would have had to 100% believe that he'd have run libertarian. He would have made sure he got us our votes because in New York State, it all adds up together. We are a fusion state, which is very weird for people who aren't in New York State. You can run on multiple lines and all of your votes combined are the number of votes you get. So you, all your votes combined matter. So he could have got 130,000 uh, right. on libertarian line and say 2 million on Republican line and won and we would have had a ballot line. That's uh, how New York State works. Yeah. It's very weird if you don't live in New York State. It's like, what are you talking about? I know New York State, which is why I have to keep trying to explain it because we're the only stupid state who does this. It's only us. <laughs> so that's why I have to constantly say it. So my goal was, look, if he would have told me, look, Larry, yes, I'm going to run. I guarantee you, here's my promises. Here's what I'll do. I'll run Libertarian. Here's, I would have considered it because they, they wanted to give me the Lieutenant Governor line, mm-hmm. right? So if they would have given me the Lieutenant Governor line and promised these things, might have taken it, eh, maybe, but at least to your point, it would have been in a way that ensured we got ballot access, that I would have believed that, that we got ballot access and that we moved everything forward. I might have considered it, right? But once he was on, I'm about to even, then no, why would I, why would I endorse him, help him anyway? Mm-hmm. It's just going to crush the party because here's the problem. Backing masters in this case, it is what I believe because it's always happened. 
because of what you said, there were no concessions. Victory didn't get put on a ticket. We didn't get a libertarian put any place. We have no guarantees of anything. All they would do is say, thank you, sucker. And then next time, demand more. It is now harder to run libertarian statewide in Arizona because of this. It is now harder. Victor made a horrible mistake. Shame on him. He's wrong. Bad character. Bad choice. And I'll say to his face or anybody else, terrible. Why? Because he crossed the line of running and then cross-endorsing. That's a line you may not cross. And he did. And when you cross that line, now every statewide libertarian in Arizona, it's now harder for them now because of that. Mm-hmm. It's harder for everyone running locally, but particularly statewide. So if, if, if I understand the conversation, I have them too, right? I'm not against the conversation, but it's got to be worth it. It can't just be, well, the other one's Hillary Clinton. They're all Hillary Clinton. <laughs> They're all Hillary Clinton. They all fall right back to the same bullshit as soon as they get bribed. They're all Hillary Clinton. So, well, he's better than Hillary Clinton. A lot of people are better than Hillary Clinton. My mayor here in New York City is better than Hillary Clinton. I don't want him either, right? Lots of people are better than New York, than Hillary Clinton. That's not a sure. high bar to get over. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. You made me yap away. That's, that's my – look, I'm not I'm not an ideologue to where I don't think you should have a conversation. Mm-hmm. But you got to have a conversation. My other view is I see the Libertarian Party as not being the same as the Liberty Movement, and some people don't see a difference. I mm-hmm. do. Liberty movement's bigger than the party, stronger than the party, more important than the party before forward. Now, I focus on the party because I'm good at that. That's my niche in the movement, right? But people do all types of things in the movement. All types of liberty people do lots of things in the liberty movement. Please, if you're listening, please keep doing that. The Libertarian Party isn't the be-all and end-all. It is not. Mm-hmm. It is simply one arm of the movement. It's the arm that I focus on, right? And maybe you hate the party. Don't focus on the party then. Focus on what you like in the movement as you see fit. I, I like this one. That's what I focus on. And in my case, the party's job is to elect libertarians. That's the party's job. The movement is to move liberty forward. Can the party movement overlap? Of course. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not an ideologue on that piece where, no, we must only be doing that. But that's got to be our primary goal, right? Mm-hmm. Secondary is something else. For example, would I have possibly done something like that to the, for the Republican in my state if I believed that it would then allow libertarians to run next year and the presidency. I might have, because the longer-term goal would have gotten more libertarians in the ballot. I might have done that for ballot access. Possible. Mm-hmm. But if not going to even get ballot access, why would I even imagine doing that? Mm-hmm. Is that clearer? I don't know if that was clearer or not. No, yeah, it, it is. It is. And it, it is a very nuanced conversation. And like I said, the it is. new leadership's goal seems to be explicitly about um, moving the liberty or moving the liberty movement into the libertarian party and then moving liberty forward that way. Um, so, like I said, I, I don't I think that's the, a good idea. Okay. I don't. I think they're separate pieces. Sure. Right. People who are going to fight on things like, for example, ballot initiatives, people who are going to fight on stopping laws or getting people out of prison mm-hmm. or ending, ending foreign wars. It may not be the right way going to the libertarian party. That may not be the most effective way. I would argue that Kim okay. Kardashian has done more for criminal justice reform than the last eight presidents, <laughs> right? right? So so it may not be the right way. Mm-hmm. So I'm not against it, but I don't think it should be a policy. I think this should be, as you said, nuanced. I think it's a case-by-case basis, mm-hmm. right? If Masters was that guy who was going to be around for years and be libertarian, if he's the next Thomas Massey, if that's who he is, then maybe you, you, you support him. I don't know. Maybe you do. But either way, don't endorse him. Just drop out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's... 
Oh, I was watching one of your live streams the other day where you kind of laid that out. And I, I think that makes sense. Uh, just for some other people in the party, I think they would argue about that. But I don't think they're considering the point that you're making that for people who may have a lot more greater chance of success, and actually Mark's chances of success were definitely greater than most other people's, um, it does delegitimize the party to some people because a lot of people may want to argue that we are in a two-party system, but I, I think they fail to, for, or fail to remember that – there's some Democrats who just will not vote for a Republican, even if they right. are Ron Paul, right, who would yep. basically meet all their basic needs when it comes to what the left would really want, or at least what you think they would want. They just won't vote for him because he's a Republican, but they would right. vote for a Libertarian. And that yes. seems to be the situation in New York for you where yes. nobody's going to vote for a Republican because they just, you know, they're afraid they're going to come, you know, stick a child in them and tell them that they're doomed with it for the rest of their life and they're going to take away all their – Trump's going to come by and kill them or something, I guess, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what he said about Fifth Avenue. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> but no, I think that, your, your point's about but my worry is look at someone like, say, um, Shane Hazel. Right. Or someone like Ricky Harrington Jr., those mm -hmm. two, right? These people are known in their state and are getting stronger, mm -hmm. right? Is Shane going to win this election? No, he's not going to win this election. He's not, and he knows that too. But is it possible for either him or someone inspired by him, either one of those two, in the next two or four or six years? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mark Victor's actions hurt that. Right. If Shane, if he's watching Shane, raise some damn money. If Shane would actually go out and raise money, which I bug him all the time, he'd raise some damn money. Shane might actually knock this thing out of the damn park. I mean, the guy's on the, he's on the debate stage. He's killing it, right? So uh, he, he's either going to inspire somebody if he won't get off his ass and raise some money, or he's going to go raise some money and kill it himself. Either one. Mm -hmm. Guys like Shane, we should not be punishing them. Ricky Anderson Jr. has been on TV more than once in Arkansas. He's known. If this guy keeps going, who knows what happens, right? This guy could actually win. He could win a statewide election, whether that's going to be senator or governor or something. Who the hell knows what he can win? Right. This is the future of our party. Guys like Shane, guys like Ricky, they're the future of our party. We should not be hurting them because some guy is better than Hillary Clinton. It's not good enough for me. Right. It just isn't. I think that's the future. Just imagine for a second if, Rick, if Ricky Harrington actually wins something in two or four years. Or if Shane Hazel becomes so powerful that he doesn't win, but he's such a spoiler, they got to come to him. That's right? kind of what they got to come like, to him yeah. now and go, Shane, dude. All right, what I got to do, right? They, they got to do that, right? right. And when that happens, that's what I want to happen. Mm -hmm. I want you to go, yeah, okay, you want my endorsement? Deal. Here's your new policy plank, and here's who you're promising to put as Secretary of Defense. Mm -hmm. And he goes, deal, you got it, done. And then Shane, boom, becomes official. I'd love something like that to happen. Mm -hmm. That'd be amazing. But we can't do that if we do what Mark Victor did. Right. Yeah, I think that's a totally uh, legit way to look at it. And it's sad because Shane and Michael White over, and I think it was Arkansas. Michael, oh, yes, Kirkland. Michael White, 100%. Another beautiful example. Another one, right? These are the people who Victor hurt. What's up, everybody? Um, we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors. Um, we are brought to you by Element T Electrolytes. I've been using this stuff for years, and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio, and sometimes even before workouts, that my workout performance, or definitely cardio performance, would suffer greatly. Um, Sodium is responsible for every single movement pretty much in your entire body. and let's say you drink a lot of caffeine like I like to do, then um, maybe it is a good idea, like I do every single morning, um, put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes um, 
there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, and uh, magnesium in your coffee so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Uh, also it tastes really really good. Get some uh, chocolate cream or hazelnut cream or even coconut and uh, mix that all up. It tastes really really good. So uh, yeah, make sure you drop by, go to drinklmnt.com slash health and uh, pick you up some electrolytes today. Alright guys, thanks. Yeah. And like I said, that does, that seems to be missed on a lot of people. So, um, like I said, I'm definitely torn on the issue, but I, I think I see your, um, point of view definitely more. And I, I think I would agree with it more overall. And we really, I think lost out on what that opportunity should have been, where we should have got major concessions, not just, well, we got to sit down and talk with the next Senator. Like that's to me, Boosting your own show isn't good enough to sacrifice people like you, Shane, Michael. Um, it's just not worth it. So, um, 100%. yeah, if well, you have any, one step yeah. further, hold on. Good. What happens if he loses? Now, I don't know when this is going to show, but let's assume for a moment that that Masters lost the election. Mm-hmm. What do we sell out for? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Mm-hmm. Not a thing. My point is, if I would have done something similar to that, I'd have made sure we got 130,000 votes on the Libertarian line in New York State. We would have had a line. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have made sure we got something out of it. If I'm going to sell my soul down, I'm going to get something from it at least, right? <laughs> so I would, have right. Got, I would have got a line so we could have run. We could have a, a candidate again. We would have done it. If he loses or if, but when it's, if he's lost, mm-hmm. what do we do it for? Now, if he's won, will he take your phone call? And my Who guess knows? is no. Right. And from the example I take is from New York State. Mm-hmm. We've had third parties in New York State, which is why they get rid of them all. And there are none anymore. Now, that, now it's all just top two. And they would concede all the time. And when the time came, did anybody call? No. In fact, the Working Families Party here in New York State is basically a, a left or Democratic party. Mm-hmm. So the Working Families candidate ran in the Democratic primary also in Buffalo, New York last year and mm-hmm. won for mayor. Democratic Party then colluded with the Republican Party to do a write-in campaign of the Democrat she lost to, and that write-in campaign beat her. So her own party, colluding with the Republicans, beat her off 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 because she was too far left for them, because they didn't want to give any concessions. And that's my point. After her legitimately winning the the primary, they're like, nope, We we run this town, sweetheart, not you. And they literally did that. So do I think that if, if Masters has won, do I think he'll actually help us? I hope I'm wrong, but history has taught me no. Wow. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope, I hope if he's won, he's the guy they said he was. And if he is, I will say so publicly. It's not like I want this to be bad. <laughs> right. I just think it will be bad. Yeah. But I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. And I'll it, happily say it. Yeah. I was totally wrong. This guy's awesome. He's the next round Paul. I hope he is. I hope mm. I'm totally wrong. So – Kind of moving on from there, if you don't have anything else to add there, one of the issues that he's bad on is China. And this is because – and also he wants to like militarize the border. So the reason why a lot of these new populist right-wingers want to do that is because they believe – Fentanyl is flowing over here from China, and then the Mexican drug cartels bring it over the border, and then you have people saying that there's 300 people a day dying from fentanyl overdoses, which I cannot find anywhere. You could find 150 to 164 a day, which one is too many, don't get me wrong, but they want to crack down on the border and hawk it up on China because they're a hostile actor who's sending fentanyl over here to kill Americans. Um, 
what would be your solution to that? And what would you tell people? And do you think that there's anything that's wrong in there? Okay, is it wrong? Of course it's wrong. Mm -hmm. It's all wrong. <laughs> we're supposed to be libertarians, right? That's what mm -hmm. we're supposed to be. So why are people taking fentanyl? Because evil cartels want to kill their customers? <laughs> that's the reason. No, they're taking fentanyl for two reasons. One, it's cheap because of the war on drugs. Mm -hmm. And the war on drugs, fentanyl is not, not an issue anymore. Right? People just take cheaper drugs. How do I know that? I live in New York City. Lots of people I know who are wealthy take drugs. Yeah. None of them are taking fentanyl. Why? Because mm -hmm. they're wealthy. Wealthy people <laughs> don't take fentanyl. Right? Yeah. That's 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 the reality of life. Mm -hmm. Right? And people who don't live in wealthy areas don't always know that. They go, everyone's dying of fentanyl because they're not wealthy. Mm -hmm. Wealthy people are not dying of fentanyl. That's not how that works. Right? <laughs> they buy better drugs. So we made the drugs cheaper. No fentanyl. That's number one. Number two, they're getting fentanyl because they want fentanyl. People think they're all being tricked. That's not true. That's a story they're telling you. How do I know? Right. I've had addicts in my life. If you have an addict in your life, you know. When someone has an overdose, that draws the addict to the product. They want that. Fentanyl is nowhere near as deadly as they say it is. Overdosing on fentanyl is. Overdosing is. But fentanyl itself doesn't just kill you by touching it. It's a story they made up also. Absolutely not true. You cannot find anybody around. I touched it and I died. If that were true, there'd be there would literally be a string of dead uh, drug mules across the border. Yeah, I mean none of those balloons pop. <laughs> none of them, right? I mean, stop. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's a story they made up. Right. That's mm -hmm. just not a thing. The reality of it is, if you want to stop it, end the war on drugs. That ends fentanyl. Mm -hmm. The reason why there's meth and crack is because cocaine is too expensive. Mm -hmm. That's the reason. Adderall. A lot of rich people now also will snort Adderall. Instead of snorting cocaine, they'll crack up Adderall and snort that if they can get it. Mm -hmm. And then times again, because they're wealthy, so they pay doctors, you know, and say, oh, yeah, I've got this thing. Here's a couple hundred bucks. You know, give me a prescription. And boom, they, second, they get Adderall instead. So mm -hmm. it's a drug of choice. Again, wealthy aren't dying of fentanyl. So my issue is don't punish the wealthy. Just let everybody live like the wealthy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's a better way of living. Let's let us mm -hmm. ever live that way. So that's part one of the fentanyl piece. Okay. On the border. I've said this a thousand times, and I'll keep saying it a thousand times. Building a wall, militarizing the border, never going to work. We can't keep drugs out of prison. Prison, where there's literally a wall around the prison with barbed wire and guards and guys with guns. Literally. Mm -hmm. You can't keep guns out of the prison. I'm sorry, you can't keep um, drugs out of the prison. You can't keep drugs out of the country. It's impossible. It's silly to even imagine. So the answer is, as I say always, I don't believe... I know many libertarians get mad at me when I say this, but I am not an open borders libertarian. I'm not. People want me to be, and I know the party, the party platforms open borders. I get that. I don't agree with that part of the party platform. I'm not an open borders uh, libertarian. I think we can have a, a secure border and vibrant, and I mean vibrant, legal immigration. It's totally possible. Mm -hmm. We're not doing it on purpose. The answer is to build two private Ellis Islands on the border, southern border. One maybe in Texas, maybe one in California, run by two separate private companies. How do they make money? Like the model we have already. That model is recruiters, recruiting companies, right? People come in, they stay for whatever is their perfect quarantine, 30 days or 14 days, whatever is the number, whatever. I don't know what the number is. Sake of argument, 30 days. They stay in the facility for 30 days. If they're a family or whatever, and they can check the background, check whatever. If you're a bad guy or you got fentanyl up your ass in balloons, that's, that's not gonna, you're not gonna get away with that. Yeah. 30 days. 
in, in a massive facility. That's not going to happen. So mm-hmm. the bad guys will be weeded out by default in that facility. So that facility itself, or two facilities, again, two separate facilities. Why two separate? Because if one is bad, people will go to the other. Competition mm-hmm. makes, makes, huma- makes it humane, mm-hmm. right? Competition will make sure they remain humane because they'll go to either one, right? right. And how they pay, they're paid by recruiting companies. As states can opt in or opt out, I think it's insane for a state to opt out. Some states tried it and got their ass kicked. You should opt in. It's the right move. But I'm not going to force the state. You want to opt out, opt out. Literally, I know in my state and the states, people are dropping millions of dollars on the black market, getting people to come to hotels and farms and all these places. Don't put in the black market. Give it to these guys. Pay them to send you workers. Mm-hmm. Now, they'll go through the process. The government will, will validate the process, and they get an orange card. The orange card allows the person to go work in any state that opts in for two years. They pay their taxes. They have a social security number, whatever. They pay all taxes. They are not allowed to get any public assistance, and they must check in every two years. If they check in every two years, they're good. If when they check in, they've taken public assistance, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Now, we could also, from that, if they want to, then, of course, let them go back home. They stayed, went home, good. They want to go back and forth, go back and forth. I don't care. Go, go, do your seasonal work in the farmlands and then go back to Guatemala or Mexico or whatever. I don't care. You got your orange card, pay your taxes, don't take public assistance, life is good. Keep going. I don't care, whatever the case may be. You can even find a way to go, go to a green card. You can have them have the answer. We can, we can have the rules for that, whatever. After 10 years, take a test, learn English, whatever. I don't care. You can even have a path of citizenship if you want to. Why? Because it doesn't affect the system that's the government right now. This is a separate private company that would charge those people for that service. Hey, I want to become a, get a green card. Great. That costs you whatever, 500 bucks, whatever, whatever is the fee. And the private company makes the money and it follows the government guidelines. And now no one is, no one's cut in line, right? The people who did it the regular way, get it. Here's what I promise will happen. The private companies will get better at it than the government will. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, people say, why am I going to the government way? I'm going to go to their way because the Ellis Islands don't have to be only crossing the border. We have about 10 million, 12 million undocumented people here already, right? Law enforcement can't get the bad ones. There's tons of bad ones. They can't get the bad ones. Why? Because they live in enclaves right now where the other people who are afraid won't call them out. But now those people can just walk over or drive over or whatever to the uh, Ellis Island. I don't care if they live in Colorado or they live in New York, whatever. Go get legal. Do, do your 30 days. Go get legal. Come back. And now you're safe. So now if you call the cops, you don't get deported. So now when the cops come by and go, where the hell's bad Pablo? No, 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 I'm good, Pablo. Okay, where's bad Pablo? Bad Pablo's over there. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer scared of bad Pablo because he can't blackmail me anymore because I don't get arrested if the cops get called. So I'm happy to point out where bad Pablo is. I'm good, Pablo. I work. I pay my taxes. There's bad Pablo. Go get him. And then they go get bad Pablo. So now law enforcement can actually start cleaning out some people who are here and who are bad guys. Mm -hmm. And the response I was guys, but Larry, hold on here. Hold on. Bad guys still come across the border. Yes. So now take the current people that we have right now on the border and have them chase only the bad guys on the border. So I don't got to raise no taxes. I don't got to make anybody pay anything more. The people I have right now, status quo, have them focus only the bad guys, right? So now all the regular people just want to come here to work, they're all going to Ellis Islands. Right. So the people you find out in the desert, is up, they're the bad guys. So if someone does starve out in the desert, which I don't want anyone to starve in the desert, but if someone does, it's probably a bad problem, not a good problem. <laughs> right. So I will take the bad Pablo starving versus the good Pablo. So that I think this kind of answer is the best part. Once that happens, others will do it too. There'll be two, three, four, five of them will pop up. And again, eventually the government doesn't have to do it anymore. We now save on, on government bureaucracy. 
because the private market will be better than the government market. People will just go private. Government will oversee everyone wants to move on. But it's the best part. What if the federal government now, which it is doing, lets in bad guys and people are hurt and killed? Happens literally every day. You're What's right. the recourse? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. But now, if the company is sending bad people, what's that happening? They start they suing the company. For it. Correct. There's mm-hmm. actual recourse. Right now, there's none. If your yeah. loved one's killed by some undocumented worker, oh, well, I hope he goes to jail. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's what you get. Mm-hmm. But now you can start suing people. Well, now they'll be even tighter. They'll be even harsher. Even right. better. So we will have vibrant, safe, secure border and vibrant immigration. You can absolutely do it. Wow. Yeah. See, this kind of this conversation I've wanted to have with people because um, a friend of mine who I worked with in dealership literally 10 years ago, and he had worked for that dealership for 10 years prior to that. So he's literally been there for 20 years, married, has kids, worked. He drives American vehicles and works for an American vehicle manufacturer. This dude literally just posted like two weeks ago that he finally got his green card after like 30 years of being here. Like he's, as far as I'm concerned, he's just as much of an American as me. So I I think he pays taxes. He should have a right to vote. He's, he's producing like, why should it take him 30 years to be a part of this society when he's more than done his share? With my system, here's what he would have done. He would have said, wait a minute, there's a private company that that does that. He went right down there and said, how much? (laughs) okay i gotta pass what test i gotta learn english okay he had to study for his test whatever time that would have taken he had to pass his test he'd done his time he'd pay his taxes he'd wrote a check he'd be a citizen Mm -hmm. okay so the one thing i would like to i'm guessing you've probably heard this criticism and i'm curious about your answer um the people who are coming across the border also don't share our values and they may vote to abolish some of the systems that we would like to see, or they're voting away. Essentially, you know, we're going to lose our republic, right? That's kind of the general argument. How do you deal with the cultural values of people? Because this is pretty grandiose, but this is like the main pushback that a lot of even liberty leaning people literally might give. no evidence of that whatsoever. Okay, that's just a story. Okay, where's the evidence of that? Mm-hmm. Where's the evidence that all of the Hispanic people who are coming over here <laughs> are voting Democrat? I, that's that's just the normal trope that you know people give. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I didn't say the trope. I said, yeah. where's the evidence? Where's the yeah. evidence that all the people coming from India are just voting Democratic? Where's the evidence? Mm-hmm. I remember Bobby Jindal being an Indian Republican governor. <laughs> that's what I remember. I remember, um, what's the woman from um, Haley? What's the woman from um, uh, uh, South Carolina? Indian governor, mm-hmm. Republican. Where's the evidence of that? Most of the people coming here are conservatives. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Most are conservatives. Are you have you have you met Hispanic immigrants? I have many of them. I live in New York City. Mm-hmm. Most of them are Catholic. Not all, but most are. Most of them are are very much conservative. I don't know that. That's just a story they tell you. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. If Republicans yeah. would stop acting like they hate immigrants, they'd have a whole lot more immigrants as Republicans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's a, a very valid reason, point. Yeah. Bill Maher said it, and he's right. Bill Maher said when he was talking to some, he was talking to some um, uh, more Democrats on his on his. Um, he's obviously a lefty Democrat, and he was talking to other Democrats on his panel, and they said, "I don't understand why these crazy conservatives and Republicans they vote against their interests. We have their right interests. Why are they doing that? Whatever." And Bill Maher said, "Oh, it's easy because they hate you." <laughs> he said, and he's right. Yeah, we don't want to vote for people who we hate or people think hate us. 
Mm-hmm. Why would we vote for them? So if the Republican rhetoric would get better, more immigrants will vote for Republicans faster. And they are already, right? I mean, this is something I, I'll give you an example. My, I'm, I'm black on my father's side. Mm-hmm. And my, my father's part of the family is right now in Florida. And the majority of my family on that side, they're, they're conservative. They're black and they're conservative. Churchgoers, my stepbrother owns a, an AR-15, right? I mean, they're, they're gun owners, churchgoers, they're conservative. They vote, they vote Democrat. Mm-hmm. They vote Democrat. Just because they feel why? like Republicans hate them. They think Republicans hate them. <laughs> yes, that's why. Mm-hmm. Now, less and less black people are, are, are feeling that. And one thing that I got to say, which is, I'm obviously I didn't vote for Trump. But what I'll give Trump the credit for is Trump actually made it for the black population. He made it okay to be Republican. Mm-hmm. He wasn't good at reaching out to the black population. He wasn't. But he, 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 he didn't, it's, he, his way was, black guy, are, is there more money in your pocket? Just stop complaining. That's basically what Trump said. <laughs> That's what Trump said. Right. Mm-hmm. And the black population went, yeah, you know, he's kind of right. Mm-hmm. I got some money in my pocket. Maybe you aren't so bad. That was that was the entire conversation with the black population, black America. That was his whole conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what it was. And and then black. Uh, that's why so many black people actually went to vote for for Trump because mm-hmm. he wasn't anti. He was like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what he was. I, yeah. I don't care. So, uh, so I think that, libertarians yeah. have to play that same game. Mm-hmm. We often don't. One reason why we don't do it is because we get lopped up into being Republicans. Right. And Republican rhetoric is not very good when it comes to people of color. Mm-hmm. Republican rhetoric is, there's no problem, back to blue. Right. That's, what, that's Republican rhetoric. Yeah, it is. There's no problem, back to blue. Mm-hmm. Democratic revenue is, we'll, we'll, I'm sorry, um, rhetoric is, we'll take care of you because you're weak and you're still slaves and we'll take care of you, mm-hmm. which while it's also horrible, does sound better. Right. And they Trump said, yeah. Trump was the opposite. He was like, you got money, right? Why are you complaining? Shut up. <laughs> Well, yeah, we were I, like, oh, eh, he's right. The, the, I'm glad that you're kind of pivoting over to race. And this is such like a frustrating conversation because anytime you approach it, it automatically seems like there's a lot of things kind of baked into it. So the debate seems to be largely that, like you said, with Republicans, it's, oh, there's no issue with police, um, you know, back to blue, whatever. And then yep. for Democrats, it's, well, you know, you're poor because systemic racism. I feel like there's grains of truth to both. But where, sh- where should libertarians fall and how do we kind of communicate this? Because um, the one reason I actually want to talk to you about this, because I remember watching your stream when you were criticizing Candace Owens on her reaction to George Floyd. And it seemed like you had a lot of thoughts, but I don't think I've ever heard you really express them. So I'm I curious. I hammered what- the hell out of her. Yes, you did. So I'm, I'm curious always. about your elaborated thoughts. Yeah, she, she deserves it. <laughs> yes, always. And be- and the issue is because her entire, her entire um, piece goes down to Black man bad. And that's, yeah. I mean, I don't like them doing Trump orange man bad, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's not a, good, a trope for me that I accept, right? And black man bad, it's, it's not the right answer. The answer is, has there been systemic issues? 100% yes. Mm-hmm. Are, people, are black people still dealing with those issues? 100% yes. Mm-hmm. Are all cops racist? No. And that's the problem, see? On the, on the right, you go, there's no systemic racist, racism. Absolutely, utterly false, wrong. I did a whole thing on Ben Shapiro. I taught Ben Shapiro and asked him the same thing. But now he's completely <laughs> wrong. Utterly wrong. Of course there is. Of course. 
But the problem is when the left says it, they go, yeah, systemic. See you white racist, white supremacist. <laughs> Literally, no. <laughs> if, if there's systemic racism, then people aren't racist because the system is. So the right goes, no systemic racism, black people are just bad. And the left says, the system's race, racist, and so are all of you. And if you don't say this, you're even more racist. And if you talk about it, you're racist. Then you're all racist to the point where now racism has no meaning anymore. Mm-hmm. There was a time about 10 years ago or more where if you were a white guy or a white woman and you were called racist, that was the worst thing you could be possibly called. You'd rather be called a pedophile. <laughs> I'm serious. Like that was the worst thing you could be called. Yeah. Now it's a badge of honor for half the white people in this country. Like, yeah, everybody's <laughs> racist. I guess I'm racist too. Yeah. And that's because the left wouldn't stop using the word. Mm-hmm. And the problem is they think they're helping. Yeah. White liberals, you're not helping me. You're not. If you're listening, I hope you're white liberals listening. You're mm-hmm. not helping. Using racism for every single thing ever done is not helping because real racists do exist. Yeah. And when you call everybody a racist, you're covering those actual racists. Mm-hmm. There's very few racists, believe it or not, make people crazy in America. Most people, the vast majority of Americans are not racist. Right. The vast majority of Americans just don't care at all. Mm-hmm. And that's why now that you gotta be anti-racist, which is insanely stupid, but that's okay. That's the that's thing they say. No, the vast majority of Americans are just don't care. So now you're saying, well, wait a minute, you don't care? That makes you racist. That's insanely dumb. Right. That's dumb. You don't have to be anti-racist. Please just don't care. It's fine. I'll take apathy. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you're apathetic, what does that mean? The person who is racist now has to show themselves as racist, mm-hmm. which I'm okay with. If you're a Nazi, please wear the armband. Like, I want you to wear the armband. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm going to know exactly where you are. Yeah. Right. I don't know what you're doing, who you're hanging out with. I'm going to know. So please, wear the armband. I won't be mad. I'll be okay. Good. Thank you. Thank you, sir, for wearing an armband. I will literally <laughs> thank you for it. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. And I'll call you sir so you don't want to, so you don't want to shoot me. Yeah. Done. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. it. So, so I, I think you're right. It, the, the race issue is destroyed because cops aren't by default bad. Cops are just people like anybody else. Right? I was in a debate a couple years ago, and they're talking about, you know, don't we want to have stricter laws for people who kill cops? Should be death penalty. I said, no. Like, what? No. Cops are citizens like the rest of us. When someone is killed, their loved ones are devastated. doesn't matter if they happen to be a cop or not, mm-hmm. right? If I lose my son, I don't say, oh, well, he wasn't a cop, so it's not that bad. I don't do that. Right. I go, oh, my God, I've lost my son. It doesn't matter whether my son was a cop or a truck driver or worked at McDonald's or was a, a mess of baker. I don't care. I lost my son. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. So the idea of making cops so special is a problem. Cops are human beings. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Better system, better cops. It is literally that simple. Better system, better cops. Let's make a better environment, a better system, we'll have better cops. And I, as you probably know, I already have a policy for that. Right? I have a policy for, 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 I have a policy for everything, Kyle, as you know. That's <laughs> right. kind of my thing. It's kind of my thing. So yes, um, so the policy for that is allowing local people to decide how they want to be policed. I want you to be policed, not how I think is right. I want you to be policed how you want to be policed. Mm -hmm. So if you think of breaking up your police force into four separate groups, right? And I call it the FACS program, F-A-Q-S. F is family law, A is active policing, Q is quality of life, and S is social work. And why is it broken up? Because in like, for example, cities, 
quality of life is a huge part of your police force. Huge. More rural areas, hardly at all, because you don't live next to your neighbors, mm-hmm. right? And I said, we live on top of each other in New York City. Quality of life is, is huge, right? So you want to adjust and shift depending upon where you live and how you want yourself policed. Family law, you're having a lot of family disputes? Why do I want to break them those four ways? Because now you're not defunding your police, but you're shifting assets in a way that makes sense for your community. And that's what matters. Family law, you shouldn't be decked out in heavy guns coming to family law. You're dealing with domestic disputes, things like that, kids. It should be the cop plus a chaplain. A chaplain should be working with a cop. Look, when you got a cop who just comes off a a horrible traffic accident and sees blood and gore and just saw somebody die, and now you're going to have that same cop now go to a domestic dispute where a girlfriend and boyfriend are yelling. That's not going to go well. Mm -hmm. Right? I don't want that. I want the cop in the car with a chaplain. The chaplain can come out and do his magic powers and see if he can actually calm this down without someone being arrested. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes it's bad. It's usually the boyfriend who's getting out, out of hand. Okay, the cop is there. Put him on the floor. Sometimes you got to put a guy on the ground. I'm not, I'm not you know, living in that fantasy world. Sometimes a guy's got to go on the ground. He's got to go right. to the back of the car. He's got to go to jail. Happens, of course. I got a cop there in case it happens. He's got the appropriate tools to make that happen. He doesn't have a shotgun. He's got, he's got the appropriate tools. And a chaplain to see, hey, can, can I calm this down so no one goes to jail? Is that possible? Mm-hmm. That's family law. Active policing, that's the hardcore cops. You're going after the, the, the rapists, the murderers, the burglars, gangbangers. You go after those guys. 100%. They should be decked out. Those guys are your paramilitary force. I get that. that those are decked out, right? You have quality of life. Those are doing things like you know noise pollution, traffic tickets, stuff like that, right? You don't have to be decked out for that. Not required. You mean people, tell people to turn the music down, right? You're doing that. You tell people to turn the music down, right? That kind of thing, doing parking tickets, different issue. And then last is social work. That's addiction problems, homeless problems. And with that, you have a social worker. Social worker works with them. So you got a cop and a social worker. And the, the cop in this case isn't even dressed like a uniform because people who are addicts or homeless, they're afraid of cops. Mm-hmm. So that cop is dressed in a different way, different tools, the social worker to help out. You start bringing this folks up that way and making it to where the cops have to rotate in and out. You might go, why would you want to do that? Here's the reason why. I was a Marine. Marine Corps, you know, you never spend more than 15 months in the front line. That's the max, usually less than that. But that's the, the highest you're going to spend on the front line in 15 months. No more than that, you're going to spend front line, they're going to rotate you out, you're going to head back, be in garrison, chill for a bit. Why do we keep our cops in the front line for 20 years? Makes no sense. Right. Let a cop do a couple years in active policing, maybe two or three, get them out of there. Have him sit with the chaplain for a year, do some family law, have him sit with, with a social worker for a couple of years, do some addiction work, do some of that stuff. Then rotate back and back to policing again. Mm-hmm. You do that, you have less PTSD on cops, less wear and tear on right. cops' families, less wear and tear on all these things, right? You, you want to rotate cops out of this stuff. The, the job is a difficult job. It's a hard, challenging job. Let's show them that respect, rotate them out. Mm-hmm. I think if you follow that style with community policing with that, you can have decent police forces. And I shouldn't be dictating what percentage or what dollars goes where. I'm the governor. How would I know? Right. Let local people decide. Whether, if you got a big problem with addiction, push a bunch of money into social work. Right? right? You got a bunch of people getting shot, push it into active policing. Mm-hmm. You shift in, in the way you want to. Right. So I'm glad you laid out that plan because there's a certain libertarian who I think chases people off who <laughs> had said that uh, – if there's somebody who supports the cop, then the liberty movement is better off without them because they like the police. And all I can think is you absolute dolts. Like, what are you doing? Yes. Because the, yes. there's 
we have to understand that not everybody in the world's a libertarian. It's shocking, right? Um, when you approach people, I'd be who, governor of New York, my friend, if that were true. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So yes, but w- when you approach the problem, and a lot of these people do kind of have similar feelings to us, although they may not be one hundred percent. If you come up to them and say, "Hey, you're an asshole because you're a cop and you support the police," so fuck you, we don't want anything to do with you. I think that's a great way to lose any potential libertarians or convincing people over our way of thinking. Generally speaking, when you insult people, they don't they don't vote for you. <laughs> General rule. I would agree. Yeah. Yes. But this goes back to the issue that we have, right? The Libertarian Party began as an activist party. Mm-hmm. That's what it was about, activism. So we have tons of activists, which is a good thing. We need activists. They are critical. Without activists, we don't have a movement. So we need to have activists. But the problem is we also need candidates, fundraisers, right? We need other volunteers. We need all types of people in our movement. We are really heavily pushed up on activists. We have far more activists compared to others that we need. We need more. Keep the activists. I want them. We don't have enough of them. I'm saying by percentage. We don't have enough activists. By percentage, we have too many, if that makes any sense. Yeah. We need to add more candidates. And we're getting better at this. Add more fundraisers. And we are getting better at this. You know, Add more volunteers who knock on doors and know how to market. We are getting more of those. You see an increase. But we still have an activist level, which is get attention for the issue, which, again, has lots of value. But if our candidates are doing that, we have a problem. Is an activist yelling and screaming at cops a bad thing? Maybe not, to be forward with you. Maybe not. If that's going to get people thinking about it, get people involved, it might not be bad as an activist, right? I don't know your area, what's been working as an activist in your area. You know, I'm, I'm far more open to activists doing crazy things. I'm not open to candidates doing crazy things. I am stoked to tell you guys about the show's new sponsor. I am now working with MTS Nutrition, which is a brand that I've believed in for a very long time, and they run awesome cells and they have awesome products. So um, I want to tell you about their amazing protein powder, which you're going to ask me how many pounds I have of the protein powder, and the answer is all of them. So here I got red velvet cake, 25 grams of protein, and they have the amino acids and everything on there, 59 servings. Peanut butter fluff, uh, fluffer nutter, 26 grams of protein, and then also the chocolate chip cookie, which literally has real pieces of chocolate chip cookie in there. So 27 grams of protein, 180. As I've talked about on the show, getting your protein is very, very important. So make sure you hit that link below and purchase your protein powder through MTS Nutrition. Boom! Right, because you don't have to vote for an activist. You got to vote for a candidate. Right. So... That's where I make a distinction, right? I think sometimes activists need to do crazy things. They do. They got to be seen. They've got to be known. They've got to be heard. If no one hears us, right? You, if you have noticed when people do terrible messaging, like, oh, messaging is so bad and blah, blah, blah. You never hear me complain about that. Never. Why? Because I think all the messages matter. I want right. the most radical messages and I want the most milk toast. I want all of them. Because people, as you said, aren't all libertarians. Right. And they come in different places from different, from different places. I came to the libertarian party from Gary Johnson. Mm-hmm. When I first heard Gary Johnson speak, I thought he was a radical. <laughs> he's not a radical, in case you didn't know. Newsflash, Kyle. He's not a radical. But that's where my head was at that time. Right. right? That's how, that's where my head was. That's who I could hear. Other people couldn't hear Gary Johnson. Or they heard Ron Paul. Or they heard, you know, whomever. They, or they heard, you know, back in the day, I heard Harry Brown, right? They heard somebody, right? And, and so all of them, yes, all the messages. 
I'm not against that. What I'm worried about is when candidates, I'm, again, I make a distinction. A lot of people don't. I make a distinction between an activist and a candidate. An activist must do what he or she must do to get the issues into the mainstream. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Candidates have to be able to be heard by their constituents, right? whoever they are. Mm-hmm. And if you're not being heard by your constituents as a candidate, you're screwing up. Right. That's just it. You're screwing up, right? Mm-hmm. And when it comes to activists, if you're not getting the issues into the mainstream, you're screwing up. So that's your job. Right. Okay, so one thing that actually we didn't get to hit on last time you were on, and, um, you know, I I guess real quick, how do you feel about the Libertarian Party right now as it stands? Because there was a big shakeup, and then after that, I got a couple more questions for you, and I know we're on a little bit of a time, um, you know, a little bit of a time squeeze. But you said um, before we were on air that you seem a little bit – well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So how do you feel the Libertarian Party as it stands as a whole national and even on a state level is doing? We are at a, an, an important crossroads right now. And people always go, now is the most important. No, I never say that, but I'm saying it now. How do I know that? Because of the attacks that are coming upon us now, that's how I know, right? What's the old saying? First they ignore you, or first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. Is that, yeah. is that how it goes, right? Something like They've that. They've been ignoring and laughing and that's forever. Now they're actively fighting us. Now they're actively fighting us. Mm-hmm. And are we going to bend now or not? The Republican Party in my state spent tens of thousands of dollars in lawsuits to ensure in a civil lawsuit to throw me to be forward and only me off the ballot. So why would they do that? Because I don't matter? Because I'm not important? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sean Hannity mentioned me saying don't vote for Larry Sharp on his mainstream Fox prime team time show. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I'm not important? Because yeah. I don't matter? Because libertarians can't win, or so they'll say. Exactly. So <laughs> you, if you got to tell your people how bad we are, Prager you did an entire thing on how bad we are. Mm-hmm. Right? They're all doing it. Daily Wire is spending tons of time, spending tons of time telling people how bad we are. Why? Why are they doing this? They pushed Mark Victor out. And Mark Victor, when the, when the push came to shove, which is why I say, yes, I blame him, shame on him, he failed. When the shit hit the fan and they were attacking us the most, he collapsed. And sadly, so did a lot of our party. A lot of our party did. This was our year when we should have come together more than ever. We should have come together more. This was our year to come together more than ever. This was our time to rebound from the colossal disaster 2020 was, and it was a disaster for us. And we were coming back hard this year. And we went, I'm mad because whatever. I feel bad or whatever. I don't care how you feel. I, I don't care. Right, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. In 2017, uh, our vice chair of the party, I was on the LNC in 2017. Our vice chair said publicly that all veterans are murderers. Yep, people don't know that because I didn't bring it up because I don't talk about it anymore. But I was on the LNC. Did I put them on blast and go, gee, this is how evil the party is and I'm leaving the party. And blah. Did I do all that, that, that yeah. childish bullshit that everyone does now, that virtual signal that hurts? That helps nobody? No. <clears throat> I called him and I said, hey, man, can you, can you soften this somehow? Can you do something about this? Can we have a conversation? He doubled down. Nope. All murderers. Then they say, well, how can you even say that? People t- try to logic him. They don't all shoot and kill people. Okay. Accessory to murderers. This is the vice chair 
of the LNC, Libertarian Party, says this publicly more than once, triples down. So I then say, look, I'm going to publicly now ask you, now I'm a public official, hey, will you please either, you have a right to have that, that view. I'm not against you having that view. You can have it. But a huge constituency of libertarians are veterans. As the vice chair, a voluntary position that you take to support this movement, this party, you may not have that opinion publicly if you are to remain vice chair. So either don't say it publicly and apologize or resign. Either one. That's what I, and that I publicly have to do that, do that. He said no. So I moved to get him removed. It tied. Do you know who broke the tie to make him stay? One Nick Sarwak, who was chair at the time. That's correct. True story. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I said, okay, I don't belong here. The, the, the LNC is saying they agree that the vice chair can call all veterans murderers. So what did I do? Larry left the party and then burned it all down. No, I'm not a child. I'm an adult. And I understand how the world works. So I did a very polite letter and I resigned politely. And everyone said, he's lying. I was lying. That's polite. I left. Then I said, you know what I'm going to do? Since I lost that and I, I couldn't be the LNC, I then went and found someone to replace Arvind Vora. His name was Alex Merced. I went and found Alex Merced. And I ran Alex Merced against Arvind Vora in 2018 and won and replaced him. So I didn't go, I'm mad and I'm leaving the party. I didn't do that. I then used the system and then got rid of the guy I didn't want to be in place. I hustled and organized. As I tell everyone who gets mad at the Mises people, just organize. Stop complaining and say, Mises is bad. Organize. I'm not just talking the talk. I already walked the walk. It's what I did. But Larry, they said mean things about me. Our vice chair called me a murderer more than once publicly. <laughs> So I don't want to hear your, yeah. they said a mean, mean about people who might, could be me. No, no. He called me and my brothers who were literally committing suicide at 22 a day. He called them murderers. I didn't leave. Well, you should have left. No, I shouldn't have because the Libertarian Party, as bad as it is, is the number one way to change in this country. Without question. You can either surrender the country, and that's up to you if you want to, up to you, or you can get together and use the number one tool we have. It is absolutely a dumpster fire on wheels. It was so in 2017. It was so in 2019, 2021, and it will be next year. It's a dumpster fire. It's a disaster. It's what it is. But without it, we're walking. Mm -hmm. So I'm in. That's what I did. And I didn't say, I'm going to start a new party. I ran in 2018 as a libertarian and got ballot access in New York State for the first time and raised half a million dollars after that. So yeah. But Larry, Bill Weld. Nobody spent more money, time, and energy trying to get rid of Bill Weld than me. Nobody. And no one can talk anything. I spent my own money, thousands of dollars, running a campaign in 2016, trying to beat Bill Weld and beat Gary Johnson's VP. And I lost by 31 votes. And that was the first time I ever ran. But Larry, you lost. You walk away because Bill Weld. No. That night, I'm not making this up. Anything you, I'm saying anything I'm, 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 is wrong, you can check. Data's on all this stuff. That night, after I lost, I went and raised over $100,000 for Gary Johnson and Bill Weld that night. Yes, fact. Uh -huh. Over 100 grand I raised for him. Why? Because while I didn't want Bill Weld to be, be vice president, clearly I literally <laughs> ran against him, right. taking time off from my business, dropping thousands of dollars, did it all on my own. No, I raised no money. That was all my dollars. I wrote the checks myself to do that. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want him to be vice president. I still knew 
getting Gary Johnson to be more popular was the way to get other people to move forward in this movement. I still knew that, and I still did it. Because again, I'm not a child trying to virtue signal. I'm an adult who <laughs> understands the future. So if you're an adult, when I say you don't go, but they said mean things, so I'm burning it all down. That's what children say. <laughs> I'm not a child. So I, 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 did I make myself clear on that? Yeah. Yeah, it is it is impressive how many people can kind of hold a grudge over everything. Um, yes. Do you have a couple more minutes or do you got to go? Go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm getting married this weekend, and this is something I've Congrats. never heard you talk about is either. Yeah. What would be your advice to young men today who are looking to get married and bring perhaps a more liberty-convinced culture? Because that's kind of what I seek to do. Me and my fiance have very, very similar values, and um, – I truly believe that this is one of the greatest things we could do outside politics is raise, you know, prosperous families. And I would assume that you know a lot about that because you have two daughters and a wife, if I'm I not do. mistaken. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. I've been with my wife for 22 years and I have two daughters. So let me talk about three things. Um, getting married, staying married, and rearing, uh, raising children. Should you get married? In my view, I think marriage is a good thing. I like marriage. I think it's a good thing. However, in many states in this world, it is a death trap that will crush you. I just hope you know what you're doing. <laughs> Here is how I would say that you should get married to the person in front of you. And that is, have you seen them in every environment? That's the key in my view. When I, when I, when I guide people on this, and some of my, some of my work is with individuals and couples, and, and actually, actually, believe it or not, Get uh, finding women in New York City uh, a husband to get married. I actually help people get married sometimes. So yes, so I, really? I, I actually get paid for this stuff. <laughs> so correct. I, that's I've I've been a consultant for twenty years. This is what I do. So what I would ask you is, and I'm not trying to desert, discourage you at all, but I'm just asking you a serious question: Have you seen your wife or soon-to-be wife in all environments? Have you seen her when she's failed? Have you seen her when she succeeded? Have you seen her in front of her family? Have you seen her in front of her friends? Have you seen her when she's crying and broken? Have you seen her when she's doing very well? If you can answer yes to those questions and you're okay with the answers, she's probably someone to marry. But if you haven't, you may be making an error. I'm just being very forward with you. It's possible. Mm -hmm. Or if any of the things you're like, well, this will have to change, you may be making an error because this is not going to change. Right? Now, I'm not saying to be perfect. Say when you're, I'm making this up. Say when your wife gets very upset she crawls into a ball and doesn't talk to you. I don't know if I'm making this up, right? And you're yeah. like, and you're like, you know what? This will have to change. You are making an error. But if she crawls into a ball and you're like, you know what? I can handle this. I know how to coax her out. I can make this work. You're doing the right thing. Your, your spouse, no matter how wonderful she is, is not perfect. Neither are you, my friend. <laughs> None of us are, right? The question isn't whether she's perfect. The question is, can you handle things that you aren't happy about? If you think, yeah. This is not great, but I can deal with it because she's thinking the same way about you, right? This stuff about you, she don't like, right? I don't know what that is, but this stuff you don't like. Mm -hmm. If she's like, I can handle this, then we're good. If she's like, nah, this is bad to change. You're going to have a problem. And that's the idea of volunteerism. That's the volunteerism. I'm accepting the issue. And while I voluntarily go, I can handle it. I'll deal with it. We'll work it through. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what you have to be thinking about when it comes up. Can you marry that person? Have you seen her in front of family? And she treats you differently. Have you seen her in front of her friends treat you differently? Have you seen her when she's failing? When she's failing, does she blame and punish you? 
or does she ask you for comfort? When she's succeeding, does she ignore you and go off and enjoy? Or does she include you in her success? These are things you want to be thinking about before you marry somebody. If those things are all true, what I said, you're good. If they're not, you should start rethinking things. That's all I'm telling you. So I hope that was helpful in the initial part of getting married. Mm -hmm. It is a voluntary situation that you will voluntarily accept everybody's flaws and they will accept yours. Nice. Yeah. Right. I, you so know that's what, I, to get there. I, the next can, piece. Okay. Go. Okay. No, please go. 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 Please go. No. No. I'm. I'm. You should. You should talk about this more often because I think a lot of people within our movement could definitely use this kind of advice. And, and just to kind of give a caveat, um, I have seen her in all these situations. We've been together for four years, and she is absolutely fantastic. And even in 2020, when um, I got laid off and she was going to have to make the decision whether or not to get a certain thing. Um, she stood on principle and said, no, I will not get this and then moved on to a different job. So um, it, it speaks go. a lot so, to her character. Yes. Exactly. That's Thank you. That That's how you know the character of the person. Mm -hmm. That's how you know, right? You got to see them when all the things happen. The next thing to realize, um, things aren't going to all of a sudden be great when you get married. <laughs> yeah. And people think that. Well, now uh -huh. I'm married. Change nothing. Your life is going to be a series of joy and pain and in between boredom. Mm -hmm. That's how everyone's life is. That's how your life will be too. No different. It won't be magical because you're married. It will still be a series of joy and pain mixed in with boredom. That's how life is. The issue is I hope you'll have a whole lot more joy than pain and hopefully not much boredom, but you will have all three of them. Mm -hmm. The other thing next to remember is the glory of being married is that you get to share both. You get to share the pain, to lessen it, right? To buffer the pain, to share the joy, to magnify it, to make it even stronger and better. There's the glory of marriage. Is you get to share both the joy and the pain. And if you understand that, and she understands that, you'll be able to get through all the joy and pain because it's all temporary. It's all temporary. Something else. She will be your greatest source of joy until you have children. They may, they may be at that point, but your family will always be your greatest source of joy. They will also be your greatest source of pain. <laughs> they guarantee mm -hmm. no one knows how to hurt you more than someone who's close to you. Mm -hmm. And when you hurt them because you're angry, they will hurt you back. So I'm now going to arguments and kids because they're the same. Uh -huh. You will fight over your children. If you have children, you will fight over them. If not, you'll fight over money. If you don't have any, you'll still fight over money. It doesn't matter. You'll fight over those things. The issue to remember is, are you being open with all of it? One of my friends told me something. The answer is truth. And when it doesn't work, more truth. And then when that fails, more truth. That's the answer. I argue with my wife often. And we oftentimes argue openly, violently, and sometimes not violently. I should say uh, vulgarly. <laughs> vulgarly not violently, yeah. In a vulgar way. We argue vulgarly sometimes. Mm -hmm. F-bombs and horrible words. And when my kids are around, I don't ask them to leave. They watch it mm -hmm. and they watch me fight through issues and talk through stuff and say how I feel. And my wife did the same thing. They watch it. They sometimes hate it, but they watch it. They don't leave. They just go, <laughs> they watch it, of course. But then they know that at the end of the day, we were honest with each other. We let everything out on the table and we're still together. What that teaches my daughters is you can fight and have arguments, disagreements, and it isn't the end of the, of the, um, isn't the end of the relationship. The relationships will have arguments and fights. 
And in most cases, people believe that once you have the fight, it's over. How do you know that? You young people go, we never fight. Oh, you're finished. You have no chance of success. Because somebody's lying. Mm -hmm. If you never argue, someone's lying. Right. Right. Somebody's lying. I'm not saying I have to draw down fight like I do. My, my, my wife and I are very are hard-headed, right? So we, we, we argue a lot because we're hard-headed. Because I'm always right. No, I'm always right. We do that, right? Of course. Mm -hmm. But we still love each other, respect each other. So we still stay together. So that's an issue. So you, if you think about that way with your children and yourself, honesty in front of your children, honesty in front of your spouse, as you hear me say in politics, I say, I can have you unhappy with me. I can have you angry at me. I can't have you not trust me. The same thing is with your spouse. Mm -hmm. You can have her angry at you. You can have her mad at you. You think you're wrong or stupid or whatever she might think. But once she doesn't trust you, I have a problem. Once you don't trust her, you have a problem, right? So all those things to consider. When it comes to <clears throat> children, here is the easiest way of parenting, understanding two things that are 100% true that the vast majority of parents will never understand and accept. Number one, your kids are not now and never will be you. Repeat that. They are not now and never will be you. If you understand that, you'll stop trying to make them you. Second, you cannot control and protect your kids. You can't. You think you can, you cannot. You must train them to protect themselves and control themselves. You cannot protect them. You cannot control them. As you try to, they will rebel. Bill was telling me the same thing. Wow, your kids, they're not rebellious. Yeah, they are. No, they're not. Yeah, they are. They never fight you. Oh, not rebellious against me. <laughs> they are. It's not against me. Why? I don't give any rules. Hard to rebel against no rules. <laughs> Hard to rebel against no rules. I give my daughters my opinions. You do what you want. All the time. That's, that's why we're parenting. Here's what I realized. When I realized the first two, it's only one thing we're about when it comes to parenting. And that is example. Kids do not do what we say. They do what we do. Period. They do not do what we say. They do what we do. If you are a crappy example, you will raise crappy kids. Done. I don't care what you think you are, how smart you are, what school you went to, what church you go to. If you're a crappy example, you'll raise crappy kids. If you're a good example, you'll raise good kids. It's, an, it's a math equation. So be a good example. Number one thing, be a good example. Less rules, the better. Allowing them to make mistakes and screw up, the better. I'll give you a story that you may enjoy. My mom, my, 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 my daughter, my oldest daughter and my, and my uh, wife were fighting over school, doing homework. Fight all the time. Fight, 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 fight. I said, why are you fighting for her to do homework? Well, no, she has to get the homework. Done. I said, why are you fighting her? Well, you handle it. Okay, I'll handle it. Cool. I went to my daughter. I said, what do you want to do? She goes, I want to watch TV. So go watch TV. Done. Watch TV. An hour later, she, uh, my wife's like, is she doing her homework? I said, no. Said, what? No, she's doing her homework. You want to do it? Fine, don't do it. Then a little bit later, my daughter comes by looking at me. What? You want to do homework now? No. What do you want to do? Watch TV. Go watch TV. Go. Years, years ago, because now kids don't watch TV. My daughter's in college now. This is before, right? Because now kids don't watch TV anymore. But yeah. back then, they used to watch TV. So anyway, <laughs> so she goes and she watch TV. So, uh, so at, at that point, the next day, she wakes up in the morning and she thinks I'm going to help her do homework. No, let her do, go to school with no homework. No homework not being done. So I was home when she came home. She came home. She's mad. I go, what's wrong? She goes, teacher got mad. Why? Because you didn't do homework? Yeah. She probably do your homework, huh? Yeah. Never fought again. Never fought again. <laughs> I let my daughter fail. And my mom was like, but she missed homework. Who cares? School in general is useless anyway. As a general rule, school is useless. But <laughs> tests are completely useless, utterly useless. They have no yeah. value whatsoever. Right? That's not true. Tests have one thing of value. Showing up on the day, getting the pressure, and doing the thing. Mm -hmm. So there is some value to testing, but that's the only value. The actual stuff on the paper is useless. 
None of it's going to matter. Google has all the answers anyway. It's, it's basically irrelevant. Anyway, besides the point. Um, so I use it as a, as a learning tool. So my, my daughters have never had a curfew. Never. I live in New York City. But those never had a curfew. And I'm a libertarian parent. Absolutely am. My, my mom was by default libertarian parent because my mom, my father died when I was 12. And my mom wasn't around. She had three jobs. So I was unparented. So my mom was by default libertarian parent. So I follow. So I follow. So I think if you, if you think of it that way, you'll have a better chance of having better kids, a better chance of having a better relationship. And I'll, I'll, I'll pick the last piece. And it's the relationship with your children versus your, your spouse. Marriages don't stay together because the father was a good father or the mother was a good mother. Marriages don't care about that. They always go, we got to focus on the kids. That's insanely dumb. Do not focus your, your, your marriage and your children. You are going to ruin your marriage. Your children will be fine. You know, you want to have your children out, have a good marriage. Have a good marriage. It doesn't matter what, whether your kids go to college, don't go to college, have a good job. Have a good marriage, you'll have better kids. I know it sounds so conservative and stupid. It's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. So if you focus on your kids, you will have a crappy marriage. You will then have a bad marriage and you will then have bad kids. So you are focused on brats. Instead, focus on your marriage. Marriage is together because you're a good husband. She's a good wife. That is why marriages stay together, not because you're good fathers. I know lots of divorced couples going, well, he was a good father. <laughs> yeah, but you're divorced. <laughs> right. So what are you doing? So instead, focus on being a good, a good husband. Um, focus on that. I'm not saying ignore your kids, but I'm saying the focus should be on you being a good husband because here's the reality. If you've done a good job, your kids will leave you. If you're in a crappy job, they'll stay forever. If you're in a good job, because my daughter's in college gone. I, don't, I talk to her every couple of weeks now. She's gone. Mm -hmm. I hate it because I love her and I miss her tremendously. However, <laughs> well done, dad. Mm -hmm. Well done. My daughter is off on her own already. So I'm doing, I did a good job. So when it comes to children, focus on your marriage. You'll better children. And I know it sounds crazy, but focus on your marriage. It does matter. You want to you be able to say you were a good husband. If you were a good husband, you were by default a good father. You were by default a good father. Because you can be a good father and be a crappy husband. That's that's not common advice, to be completely honest with you. That that's not what you typically hear. Which is why most marriages fail. Remember, most people fail. Mm -hmm. If you do what most people do, you will fail. So don't do that. <laughs> right. I I typically walk the uh, path um, least followed. Um, Larry, I, we went a little bit over the time, but um, do you have uh, time for like two or three more questions? They're they're relatively oh. quick. It's fine. Cool. What does liberty look like to you? It's a very broad question. Mm -hmm. Just whatever um, first comes to your mind. Liberty looks like leaving people alone. It's really what it is, right? I'm not going to get someone who's anti-gun to be pro-gun. I'm not going to get somebody who's anti-drug to be pro-drug. That's not going to happen. And I don't need it to happen. Didn't believe people alone who want to do what they want to do. Mm. And the best example I'll give you is a quick story. I was a teacher years ago, like 30 years ago. And one of the teachers was a 100% stone cold, hardcore pacifist. I mean, hardcore. Never would hurt people. Never would come in no matter what. Would never do it. It's always wrong. Would never do it no matter what. And of course, when he just goes, well, what if you were raped? Of course, that was going to come up. And she was very forward. Nope. Not even when I was raped. She goes, if I was getting raped, I would try to talk my way out of it. And I did it already. I already did. It happened to me once in a situation. I did talk my way out of it. And I would want to do that. And even if 
I couldn't. I would rather the trauma of being raped than the trauma of killing someone. That's what she said. So I stepped in and I said, okay, would you stop a woman who wanted to shoot her attacker? She said, no, we're good. That's liberty. Her living her values and allowing others to live their values. So as long as she's going to let me shoot the guy trying to rape my wife, I'm good. That's all. <laughs> I'm good. Right? Just right. don't stop me mm-hmm. from stopping my wife from being raped. But if you feel in your life that your heart is, I would rather deal with that trauma than killing somebody. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, you do you is what, I, is what liberty looks like. Nice. What does health look like to you? Health? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Health is the idea of you being able to do the things that you want to do within reason. That's health. Can I do the things that I want to do within reason? Mm-hmm. Right? If tomorrow I want to, for example, I tease people all the time. I threw out the, um, the first pitch, the Brooklyn Cyclones this summer running for governor. I threw a strike. Can I throw a strike? Yeah, I'm healthy. That's what I want to do. So yes. (laughs) Can I do the things that I want to do, right? Within reason, I don't want to say, you know, I'm going to jump off the moon or whatever. I mean, that's crazy, right? But if I want to go do something that reasonably someone of my age, of my my stature should be able to do, I should do it. If I can't do that thing, I'm doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Well, very, very uh, simple and practical definition. Larry, where can everybody find you? Larry Sharp, everything. Larry Sharp, Instagram, Larry Sharp, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, locals. I'm on all the Instawebs things. All of them as Larry Sharp, of course, LarrySharp.com. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, Larry, this was absolutely amazing. And I'm glad you were able to sit down on uh, my birthday and uh, shoot Happy the show birthday. Thank you. I can't wait to share this with everybody. If you don't got anything else, we'll close her out. Have a good one. Next, you too. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.